shall we? Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to go to Luke chapter 9, and then we're going to read a passage from Luke chapter 10. And I think we'll go ahead and read a passage from Luke 22 to start off with. So we'll have a lot of reading to begin with. Luke chapter 9, we're going to begin with verse 1 there, and then we'll go to Luke chapter 10 and read verses 1 through 4 there. So Luke 9, verse 1, Then Jesus called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. That means have one, nothing superfluous, nothing extra. Flip to the next chapter, the beginning of chapter 10, and read verses 1 through 4 there along with me here. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, it says in the New King James. I think it says, what does it say in the Old King James? Purse. Nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Now flip, if you will, to Luke chapter 22. Fast forwarding in time a bit to that last evening that he shared with his disciples. And we read a conversation there. We'll read it in part from verse 35 to 37 there. And he said to them, when I sent you without, uh, without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And that's where we're going to pause and bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless this consideration tonight. Heavenly Father, you are God of all. You are the Lord of all things. You know the beginning from the ending and everything in between. Father, I'm thankful for the power that you are and the power that you have. Thank you, Lord, that you use this power to strengthen us, Lord, as you call us and direct us and as we yield and submit to you. I pray, Father, that whatever you allow to come before us, that we take advantage of it, Lord, that we would do as Paul did and even boast in you in these infirmities and struggles and trials and all of the things that might cause us problems, whatever changes might come our direction. Father, help us to rejoice in those things as we give them to you and grow therein. We praise you, Father, this evening. Bless this word to our hearts and help us to glorify you in all that we consider tonight. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Change is inevitable. We understand this. It's just one of those standard rules of even time, if you get right down to just the, the conceptual piece of it. Uh, just time being what it is, from one millisecond to the next millisecond, you don't have exact symmetry. You don't have exact sameness. Something has changed, something has moved, something has wiggled, something has done something from the very smallest, minutest amount of time. Uh, I could pick up my iPad right now and set a timer and put it over here, and after three seconds and some flashing lights, it would take what's called a burst, right? Perhaps you have an iPhone and does the same thing. It does ten pictures just like that. 
Why does it do that in, in the span of less than a second? Because in the span of less than a second, someone's going to go like this or someone's going to go, you know, someone, your face is going to change. And over the course of that second, hopefully you find one where everyone who's involved in that picture, well, has changed or not changed, whatever the case might be, and everyone looks good in that picture, right? Because even in that short little brief time, little small little pieces that have changed the perfection of that picture, that photo, uh, those changes will have taken place. It's just, again, basic fundamental element of just time that change is inevitable, even in the minutest pieces. Change happens, and it can happen in a very brief period of time. Now, I, my life is getting less and less brief by the moment, uh, relatively speaking, but over the course of 40, 47 years, 47, yeah, forgetting things, 47 years, I've seen a lot of stuff take place. I was just kind of going through it in my mind, and I was considering, you'll see where my mind goes a lot of the time, video games, Pong, I started with Pong, recognizing Pong, and this little football game with just little dotted lights that happened, and now they have VR headsets, completely immersive, where you know you're actually inside of something, I mean, the change that's happened there. Telephones, I remember wall-mounted rotary dial things, you know, I never got on the old click, 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 and talk to an operator type thing. Some of you might, might have, I don't know. Uh, but I've seen rotary dial phones go to now. Well, Sarah mentioned a moment ago, you can, I can make a call on my watch for Pete's sake. I mean, that's, that's sci-fi from back in the old days, right? That's Jetson's stuff. I've seen nine presidents. Uh, that might sound relatively small to some of you. Brother Gary, I hate to dime you out, but you've seen 15, I believe, if my math is right. Uh, beginning with FDR, perhaps. And then carrying on to... Well, Mr. Biden, today, 15 presidents. Maybe talk about change, even in the government level and all the things that that brings about. Change is inevitable. Uh, if the Lord tarries, we're going to see perhaps a number of other presidents uh, in the years to come. Lots of change can happen over the course of a lifetime. The Lord understands this. And he allows changes to take place, naturally speaking. We know, I made the comment here recently, that the Lord sets things into motion. Natural things take place, perhaps without him saying this, 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 this. At this time, he'll set things in motion, perhaps, and let them take their natural course. He's aware of those things. But you can be sure that he's aware of the change that he institutes, the change that he orders and demands. In the passages that we just read here in Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10, he sent out the 12 and the 70 respectively. He sent them out with very similar statements, very similar uh, directives there. Sent them out before him in those places where he was planning to go into to let them know, to have them well, plant the seeds of the message. The Savior's coming. The one is coming. Jesus is coming. This one who we've heard about. Have you heard of the miracles that have taken place? Have you heard of the word that he's sharing? All of those things. He sent them forward to go preach there. And he set those specific instructions for those ones. If I can just dial it down and distill it into just two words, it was take nothing, essentially, is what he told them. Uh, and in verse 3 of Luke chapter 9, he said to them, take nothing for the journey. Staffs nor bag, nor bread, nor money, nor sandals. Uh, well, no, sandals is in verse 4 of Luke chapter 10. Nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics apiece, he says. In verse 4 of chapter 10, carry neither money, bag, knapsack. That speaks to food. Carrying your provisions in that bag. Nor sandals. 
like staves, nothing to help you walk necessarily. The comforts that we, well, we, might, we might consider them rather necessary, uh, these walking sticks. He, he said, put everything aside and just go essentially as you are, right? Uh, no money, no food. What is just accepted as basic needs, he said, leave behind because they're going to provide for you, essentially. Uh, In Luke chapter 10 and verse 8, and speaking to those 70, he said, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. He expected that these were going to make provision for these ones who didn't carry the provision with them. He expected these ones to lay out for these ones sharing the message and sharing the, the, well, sharing the, well, the herald, heralding that this one was coming. He expected that they were going to care for those ones and provide. He told them to stay in their homes, those 12. He said, stay in the homes of these ones that you're going to encounter. Forgive me, I'm going to drop my outerwear here. Brought too many tunics this evening. Uh, why did he order this? Why did Jesus tell them, go into this place and, and let them care for you? Well, the first answer that I would say, the simple answer, is that he wanted everyone involved not to trust the simple things. Not to trust in the uncertain things Paul calls them to Timothy. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's consistent with the message here, what Paul says here to Timothy. He says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. And he's speaking of the riches that they have, those ones who are wealthy. But in the living God instead, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And then he says, encourage them, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Do you think that, well, Paul's speaking here the word of God. Do you think that Jesus wasn't part of that word or wasn't on board with the God who directed Paul to speak these things? The disciples and the ones whose houses they would be staying in, whose food that they'd be partaking in, they were all given opportunity to, well, to learn not to trust in uncertain riches here. The disciples were... Well, they were given to, from the outset, put those uncertain riches, even the, the very seemingly the very basest of riches that they might have had, the basest of provisions. Don't lean on these things here is what Jesus said. Put the, your shirt, your extra shoes, your, your, even money. Man, I leave my wallet at home and I'm, I'm in panic mode. Until, well, there's my watch. You know, I can boop, I can scan and, and do that sort of thing these days. But... You know, you lose those things that you're so used to. You lose your, your financial freedom, I guess you could say, by not having a plastic card with you or some cash or something along those lines. You kind of feel like you're, well, you better not fall into any kind of trouble. How about these guys? These guys who were sent out before. Don't take food. Don't take anything. You have no recourse but to trust in those ones who will be waiting for you there. Now, I say that rather loosely because in doing so, they're trusting the one who sent them. Obviously, trusting that the Lord is going to provide uh, through those ones that are waiting for them. The disciples were given the opportunity to trust God to provide as he chooses. Now, those ones who they were given to stay with, they were given opportunity, well, to share, to support in the ministry of the word of these ones who were coming. If they wanted to hear about this one who was coming in, if they were grateful for the word that was coming to them about that one who was going to be visiting, well, then as they was they listened to the Lord and heard in their heart, I'm going to offer hospitality to this one. And they were given to recognize that the natural riches here are perhaps better spent in this moment in caring for this one who sits 
at the right hand, as it were, of this one doing these magnificent works. They were given to partake in this. Uh, It was an important lesson for these ones to listen to. Um, So the Lord told them, take nothing, take nothing and let everyone involved be blessed in this. Now, that changed after a time, didn't it? Just that simple directive that he gave them. Time passed after that, after these ones went out and the multitudes came and the multitudes heard and the multitudes were given opportunity. And you hear about the disciples coming back and said, Jesus, the, the very spirits are listening to us. I mean, we, there were healings and there were evil ones that were cast out and the like. And the Lord taught them in that. But over the course of time, things changed. After the word of Jesus spread farther out, after those demons were cast out, after those healings took place, after they returned and spoke to the Lord about that, after they gained experience to go along with the education that they had heard, Jesus telling them, this is what you can do by the word of God, by the power of God. After that, Jesus' earthly ministry came to an end. Time passed, and his time here was done. Talk about a change, right? Talk about a change for these ones who lived day in and day out, or at least some very close derivative of that. Day in and day out with the Son of God, hearing His Word, knowing His presence, knowing His physical fellowship, knowing His tone of His voice, knowing His mannerisms, all of these things. We know in reading, well, all four of the Gospels elsewhere, but we knew that it was coming to an end after... Just a few years of ministry there. He was going to be taken, put on the cross. We understand that. Talk about a change for these ones who had invested themselves into this life and livelihood. It was going to be a huge change. And we, as we read there in Luke chapter 22, if you want to turn back there, as we read there, the Lord instilled some changes before that great big change took place. And it ran counter, well, as Anna just mentioned a moment ago, the Lord can say, and stand back and go the opposite direction very, very quickly. Look what he does here. Uh, it says, and he said to them, uh, as he was speaking there on that last night to them, when I sent you without money back, you remember when I sent you out? Remember when I told you, leave everything behind to take nothing? When I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? Scott mentioned this morning, I believe, the Lord asking questions. As a matter of fact, I remember him speaking to Jonah. Is it right that you should be mad? Stop and consider. Cain, where's your brother? You know, I have a lesson It's stuck in, my, in the annals of, of my data here that I've never brought out. It's called God's questions. It's all these different questions throughout, throughout Scripture. You can learn a lot from God's questions when he points out to someone and asks an individual, why are you mad? Should you be mad? And when God asks you a question, it's best that you stop and say, I better have an answer here. If I don't know, I need to tell him I don't know. If I do know... And it's a garbage answer, I better tell him anyway. If I'm embarrassed, I'd better share, etc., etc. When God asks a question, you need to stop and consider what he's asking and come up with the answer. He said, did you lack anything? And so they said, nothing. Nothing when we went out, evidently. They were housed, they were fed, they were provided for. Perhaps they were shot if their sandals broke. Perhaps they were helped, they were given a knapsack, given a staff, given these things perhaps. Again, I'm not sure, but Jesus said, take nothing. He had them recall what he had told them and recall that he had provided, that they lacked nothing. It's important to remember what God has done for you. 
It's important to count your blessings. I can't name them one by one. I'll sing that song. And I'll start naming the blessings that I have. But, well, after a couple thousand, I lose track of those things. And I'm only scratched the surface, you might say. If I have a friend who, well, I do have a, a friend, a former associate, who when he would tell me, you've got to try this restaurant, I'm like, I'm going to try that restaurant because the guy's a foodie and he knows what's good, he knows what I like, and I would accept his recommendation. When Jesus makes a recommendation, when he tells you, this is what you should do, you can trust him in that. You can take him to the bank that it's going to be good, it's going to be right. When he says leave nothing, you can say, okay, or leave everything rather, Take nothing. Okay, fine. I will do it. You're going to do something rather remarkable here. It's good to remember that because it bolsters our faith, doesn't it? Next time we get into an iffy spot, next time that the Lord puts us in a situation where He makes us think, what's going to happen here? How is this going to turn out for my good? We can say, wait a second. Do you remember when I sent you without money bag, without knapsack, without even sandals? Do you remember this? Did you lack anything? Nothing. Well, then go in faith, will you? And that's essentially what he's telling them here. It helps us to believe when the Lord tells us something that maybe we don't expect. When he says, time to change course, time to change direction. As he did here in Luke chapter 22, after telling them, take nothing, take nothing, take nothing. I think that he probably surprised them in verse 36 of Luke 22. And he said, but now, but now, except that now is not that time. You remember when I told you this? Yes, but now... He who has a money bag, let him take it. Likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Now you're going to carry your wallet. Now you're going to carry your provision. Now you're going to carry your sword. There's an old Bob Dylan song. I believe it's Bob Dylan. Lots of, lots of hippies covered it. The times they are a-changing, right? The times they are a-changing. I hate to put Jesus' words in comparison to a hippie song, but there it is. The times are changing is what he was saying. But now, those are, those are profound words to come from Jesus. This is what I've told you, except this is a different time. And I have something else for you. Something else. For I say to you that, uh, I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. What was written? What was written was he was numbered with the transgressors. And so Jesus was. He ate with sinners. He ate with publicans he ate with the pharisees he ate with all those all those ones who might have thought something of themselves or might have thought themselves dirtbags jesus ate with all of them with the opportunity giving them opportunity that they might know might know who he is might know salvation might know the peace the mercy the grace the love of the lord god he did he was numbered with the transgressions with the transgressors rather but then it goes on to say for the things concerning me have an end There's change coming. He was giving them a heads up. A heads up of, I guess you might call it upheaval. (laughs) Upheaval of their lives. Now listen, if the disciples had paid attention, had listened completely, trusted, well, entrusted their minds or thoughts and hearts to the Lord completely and knew exactly to the dot and to the letter exactly what he was trying to tell them about Calvary to come. Exactly what he was trying to tell them about his being taken from them. Three days rising, all those things that he said quite clearly we can read in Scripture. If they had paid attention and knew exactly what he was talking about, saints, when when that night had come and the mob had come, there would have been fear present. There would have been 
trouble. There would have been distress in the flesh. They might have responded differently. Would have had opportunity to do so perhaps. But do you suppose that it still would not have been the most distressing night of their lives? I say absolutely it would have been. To see, regardless of how you've prepared yourself, to see your dearest friend, your, the one that you know to be the Christ, the, know that, the one that you know to be the Savior, uh, being treated the way he was. Your worst enemy being treated the way Jesus was would leave some traumatic scars that people... Man, the people need counseling for today. I'm confident of that. And they saw it take place. But they weren't prepared for it. You know, I've been to Worlds of Fun a number of times. It's been years. And I think I'll probably never go back. It's not that I'm scared of things. I just get shaken up these days and I don't recover so well from it. I get sick. You know, your head gets wobbled all over the place. But I remember riding the Orient Express the first time. And man, I will tell you, you know, you... It's probably not a good illustration because with every click that I heard of that thing going up that big hill, click, 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 click. I mean, I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared. I saw people coming off of that thing and they were white and their hair was all over the place. And it's seven, eight years old. I wasn't prepared for the Orient Express. And it didn't matter how much I was prepared. It was was going to knock my socks off and man, did it ever. But there's still something to be said about being prepared for something to come. Knowing and being ready and at least, all right, it's, it's coming, rather than just being just knocked over completely and wondering what is going on here, particularly when it concerns the death of someone dear to you, specifically the Son of God. It was upheaval time for these ones at Calvary. It was upheaval for them on the third day. What is happening here? These women are coming and they're telling us things that they sound like mad women. What is happening here? Then the establishment of the church comes after they cleaned everything up with Jesus, recognized what had happened. Pentecost happens. That's an upheaval. Even good things are upheaving, you understand. Even good changes are still changes that are stressful to us and cause a certain measure of strain on these natural bodies. And then they had the conflict and the contention that came from all sides as they tried to push this new church, this newly established body of Christ and meeting with, well, from different ones that were breathing threats and murder against them. There was change coming, man. Change coming for these ones that they were going to have a difficult time with. And the Lord Jesus was trying to prepare them for that by instilling a small piece of change, a small consideration of change right now. Listen, you need to be thinking about changing. Remember when I told you to take nothing? Prepare now and take some things with you. Be prepared to take some things with you. Things had changed for them before and they lacked nothing. Uh, And so when he told them to take things with them, it was given to them to believe him and to understand uh, that when change did come, well, that they'd be better prepared for it. It's inevitable. In Psalm chapter 102, uh, change is inevitable for us as well. Um, we're in a position similar to the, well, to the disciples we understand. Change has come in our lives. Each one of us have experienced our own respective amounts of change. And I'm not just talking about telephones and video games and presidents and the like. I'm talking about change in our Well, even in our walk of faith, not that we've changed direction or trajectory, but in walking in this walk of faith, the Lord has called us in different directions. Sometimes very, very literally, geographically even, but oftentimes it's just in our 
way of, of doing things or what exactly we're doing and occupying ourselves in. Change is inevitable for us. We get it. But if change comes and is directed by God, well, shouldn't we welcome it? Shouldn't we welcome it? Shouldn't these ones when they said, remember when I told you take nothing? Now you're going to take some things. Okay, done. Yeah, they should understand Psalm 102 and so should we. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, the psalmist writes here, and the heavens are the work of your hands. All powerful, all everything is God. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them. Change what? The foundations of the earth, the heavens and the work of your hands. They, you will change these things and they will be changed. We understand these elements are going to melt like fervent heat and all those things. But just from moment to moment, different things are changing for us. Just in a, in a certain breath, man, there, there's all kinds of things. Well, whether we see them or not, whether it's widespread and far-reaching or just within us, change happens from moment to moment, and the Lord brings those things. Sometimes small, and sometimes with very little impact that we can notice, but sometimes quite large, global. Either way, what do we do with it? What do we do when the Lord says, well, I'm calling an audible for you here. I want something different for you. I want you to change direction, as it were. Or change your dealings with this. Or simply just do something different. You fill in the blanks for your own life. What are we supposed to do with it? We're supposed to deal with it. Deal with it. I mean, if you just get right down to the simpleness of it, it's ours to deal with it when the Lord allows change to come. And how do we know that we can? Well, because like these disciples that Jesus spoke to, by the grace and the help and the strength and the enabling of the Lord we have before We've dealt with change. I'm not just talking about here in church, but we've had change in church before, right? A number of different things have, have changed. Even the faces here have changed. Saints, I wish I could have snapped a picture when, when I preached my first sermon at Grace Community back in, on Rinka Road, if I could snap a picture and show you who's here and who isn't here. Lots of you young, young folks, you weren't here. Lots of faces that some might not recognize. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen. Even the small little things, the way we run things around here, different things change because the Lord leads in those things. And we've dealt with it. As we give those things over to the Lord, we deal with it. Your health changes. Have you dealt with it? If you've given it over to the Lord, yeah, you have. Has it been a struggle? Has it been distressing to you? At times, but you give it over to the Lord, you deal with it. We deal with change. If you consider what prophecy is, what is prophecy? Prophecy is the presentation of Jesus, essentially, before Jesus came. Uh, I'll give you a little blurb of Revelation 19, verse 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All of this prophetic word here, it speaks of judgment. It speaks of different things that Israel didn't do. It speaks of what they needed to do. But it was all in preparation for the Messiah to come. Get ready. You're failing in preparing for Him. Get ready. You need to go this direction if you want to prepare for Him. Get ready. You need to repent so that you can be looking for Him. Get ready. Open up your eyes and your hearts because Jesus is coming out of Bethlehem. All these different things being presented here. Get ready, it was saying. Change is coming and you need to change yourself, he was saying. Because the Messiah is coming and you need to be ready for it. That's what the spirit of prophecy is. That's what, just an overarching thing. Prepare. Change is coming. So deal with these changes that are taking place right now as you prepare for this big change 
when unto us a child will be born, and unto us a son will be given. Get ready for this. Prepare for this change. That's what all the little things that came into their lives, all the bigger things that were coming into their lives were for. That's what it was all about, was pointing to the change that was to come. I have in big blue letters in my notes, God allows change in order to help us prepare for change. And that's what He does. He gives us change. Why did He speak to those ones in in Luke 9 and 10? Take nothing with you. Go in, I'm going to provide for you. Now that I'm leaving... You take some things with you. Will you. Oh, I have to provide for myself? No, that's not the case. I'm going to provide for you, but it's going to be in a spiritual level. It's going to be on a much wider level. Uh, you've been educated and experienced with me. So take these things. Occupy yourself until I return. And I will be with you in a different way. In a different way than, than I have been for these last few years, you might say. Change is set before us as it was set before the disciples to prepare us for big change. Saints, if the Lord tarries, you know change is inevitably going to come. Some changes are going to be welcome for us in our individual lives, in our collective lives as an assembly, in this world, whatever the case might be. Some of those things will be welcome. Some of those things will be absolutely unwelcome to us. But if God allows them and brings them, what shall we do? What should we do? We should welcome them. We should understand that change will come. The Lord can use those things, and we can grow in those things. On the other hand, if the Lord ter- well, no, if the Lord tarries, change is going to come. If the Lord comes, if the Lord in our lifetime returns, change is going to come. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. What it is, right? Either we're going to go with Him at that time, in that moment. Or we're going to be with him shortly thereafter, right? Uh, That's a change, saints. That is a change that is going to come. Very much like he told his disciples when he said, the things concerning me have an end. There is an end to things concerning me and you in this world. And if the Lord comes, those things concerning us in these natural lives are going to be changed. Whatever the case might be, whether the Lord tarries or he does not, Uh, He's going to allow changes to come in the meantime. They might be drastic changes. They might be take nothing to take everything. They might be stand fast, stand still, relax, have a time of quiet peace just for now to run, 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 run. Get going, get moving, pick up everything and whatever the case might be. It might be gradual, it might be ah, subtle changes. It might be something large, whatever the case. He always remains faithful. He always remains powerful. He always remains merciful and gracious. And he always remains present. Present to help us, to strengthen us, and equip us for that change. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12, I'll close with this passage. In the face of one of countless, countless battles that the Israelites had with the Philistines, Countless battles that they had. And when the Philistines weren't messing with them, the Ammonites were. And when the Ammonites weren't messing with them, the Amalekites were. And the Syrians would come in, and there were all kinds of different ones. And in the face of one of these things, Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Very simply, thus far, the Lord has helped us. 
Thus far, he has enabled. Thus far, he has equipped. When he told us to not take anything, well, he defeated the enemies for us. There were times when the Israelites didn't so much as pick up a sword. They just woke up and there was death before them. Sounds pretty garish, but I guarantee you when they were threatened with death for themselves, they were relieved to see the enemies taken care of. And there were other times when there was bloodshed on their part. And there was still victory that took place. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Saints, you understand, change is inevitable, but we need not fear it. It doesn't matter if it's something subtle that just kind of irritates us, or it doesn't matter if it's something that's global that absolutely threatens the very lives that we understand. We've been through COVID together. We've been through people coming and going through these doors together. We've been through marriages Different ones have been through marriages, different ones have been through moves, different ones have been through changes of all size and shape. But in each one, as we give those changes over to the Lord, whatever those might be, He's preparing us for that ultimate change when we're before Him or when He comes, whatever the case might be. It can be for our blessing as He prepares us for whatever change is yet to come to deal with the changes He puts into our lives and be blessed in those things, moved in those things to trust in Him. Trust Him for all change, child of God, and we'll be blessed in it.